You're listening to Everybody Pulls the Tarp, the go-to podcast for high performers. I'm Andrew Moses. Each week, you'll hear my thought-provoking conversations with Olympians, pro athletes, CEOs, elite coaches, best-selling authors, and other high performers to uncover their secrets to success. Get ready to be inspired each week when we talk about leadership, teamwork, work ethic, and more. Are you ready? Let's go. Hi, everyone. This week, my guest is entrepreneur Rudy Rocourt. Rudy is the founder and CEO of Jet Li Transfer, an e-commerce company that helps Haitian diaspora migrants who are living abroad support their family and friends back in Haiti. Rudy was raised in Haiti's capital of Port-au-Prince. He went to college in the U.S. and spent over a decade working in international finance and financial technology for some of the largest financial institutions in the world. After the 2010 earthquake in Haiti devastated Rudy's hometown of Port-au-Prince, he returned to Haiti to head up the Treasury Department for a large global bank. It was then he witnessed firsthand the high transfer fees that Haitians living abroad pay when sending groceries, daily necessities, and other goods back home to their loved ones. Rudy believed he could build a better system by combining his knowledge of the Haitian economy with his extensive financial technology experience. So Rudy got to work and launched Jetly Transfer. In our conversation, we explored Rudy's experience launching the business and how he balances all of the ups and downs that come with leading a startup. You'll hear Rudy talk about a concept he calls thinking big while acting small, and why learning to enjoy boring stuff is so often the key to success in anything. Rudy shared relatable and practical lessons that will help you build anything from the ground up. But before we get to Rudy, I want to quickly mention that this week's episode wraps up season six of Everybody Pulls the Tarp. We've now had over 120 conversations with Olympians, pro athletes, TV stars, Grammy winners, best-selling authors, and other high performers. And I truly believe that we are just getting started on this journey to uncover the secrets to success and the power of leading by example. Thank you for listening and being a part of the Everybody Pulls the Tarp community. New episodes will launch on January 5th, and I can't wait to share Season 7 with you. Please be sure you are subscribed to Everybody Pulls the Tarp in your favorite podcast app so you don't miss new episodes and other special content along the way. But first, I can't wait for you to hear this week's new episode. So let's pull the tarp and get straight to Rudy Rocourt. What does Jet Li Transfer do? Because the company has just an incredible mission. I want everybody to hear this straight from you. All right. Thank you. Well, we are an e-commerce platform connecting the Haitian diaspora migrants to their loved ones back home. Currently, the diaspora account for more like than 30% of the GDP in Haiti and also mostly in other countries in Latin America and Africa. And one of the biggest challenges they're facing is paying high transfer fees. So when I was working at Citibank back in Haiti and I was seeing all these transfer fees coming in and I'm like, wow, like. Why are they spending so much money when we're realizing that 40% of these funds were coming to buy daily life necessities such as food? And that's when I had like my aha moment. And I'm like, why can't there be a platform, an e-commerce platform where someone in the United States or anywhere around the world wants to support their family back home? Why can't they go shop online and source local goods that are readily accessible to their loved ones and have it delivered within 48 hours? And that's where like that my aha moment came alive. And I'm like, you know what? 
I wanted to start this journey. I wanted to give this a try. And that's how my company was founded on this simple mission to allow migrants to send food or daily lives of studies to their family, paying zero transfer fees. So when you came up with this idea and had that aha moment, what was your first step? Great question. Well, and that's where I really believe when they say ideas is cheap, execution or hard. And that's where you have to be very think big, act small. That was definitely my mentality. And what I mean by that is that I didn't have to go get the nicest website, all that stuff. I went to prove if there was a market there, there first. So what I did, I got, I started with a simple WordPress website, took some pictures of regular local products to see just to post them online because you're not going to see these products on Amazon, Walmart, anywhere if it's located in the home country. So I posted them online and I just put it there, built some brand awareness, went out there in the community. I, I lived in Washington, D.C. I was driving on the I-95, going to like communities in like New York, Boston, going to Miami, Florida, just to tell them about the business model and the service we're offering. And it just grew organically. People were like, wow, they couldn't even believe it. And one of the funniest stories, like when customers are calling us, like, does this company really exist? We just Googled it and people are, you, you can shop online, deliver 48 hours. And yes, we stay true to our mission. And that's how we are growing organically and customers are coming back and shopping with us. You made an important point there, Rudy, about not letting the fact that you want something to be perfect, slow you from getting started. One of my favorite quotes and and something I think about all the time is that you don't want to let perfection be the enemy of great. And that so often, great ideas never get off the ground. You said, you know, ideas are cheap. Great ideas don't get off the ground because people are afraid to get started or they're trying to launch something that's perfect out of the gates. And what we find is you just got to get started. Right. You built that minimal viable product and you got started and you tested and you got feedback. I'm curious, when did you start to, like, was there a point when you started to feel some of that momentum that you described and how did it inform your next steps? Right, right. Honestly, COVID was when I'm like, I think I got something here. When everything was shutting down, when the world was shutting down, people couldn't go to their local transfers to send money to their family. People in their home countries couldn't even go out there because they didn't know what to expect. Everything was closing down. The country was shutting down. And we saw a our traffic to our side just skyrocketed just by people searching on how they can connect to their loved ones. And we became like, it's sort of like an emergency company in a way. Like people were like, wow, can you get it to us fast? Can we get this? Can we get this right now? I'm like, and we we were not even ready to, to, to accept all these um, orders at that time. And I can say that's when we know we are solving a real problem here that in this business makes sense. And that's where we feel like this is just not like, I'm from Haiti. This is just not a Haiti problem. But migrants worldwide want to connect a lot easier to the loved ones and looking for alternative ways to get products, food, and security to the loved ones back home. So you have this inflection point where there's this incredible spark of momentum. How do you now balance kind of all the different things that you could go after while also staying disciplined? Wow, that is a million dollar question. And that is, and still today, I am grappling with it because 
you have all the shiny object that that's what drives you. That's where your rush comes in. And the boring stuff are the ones like that actually are the one moving you forward. And it's learning to like enjoy the boring stuff more than like staying on the shiny objects that sometimes are are directing you in the wrong direction, making you forget about your mission and you start not in your production might go down. Your productivity might go down. And I really believe it's finding love in the boring part of the business that drives, that keeps the company going and driving. Finding love in the boring parts. That is such a powerful message. And Rudy, it's something that I've heard really consistently from high performers from all walks of life, athletes, musicians, authors, is that you have to be obsessed and really love the monotony, the boring. The, people talk about you know Kobe Bryant, the late Kobe Bryant. Right. They say you know it wasn't that he had some like uniquely different routine or he practiced different types of shots. He just put up like ten thousand foul shots. Right. When everybody else put up like a couple hundred, like he was obsessed and passionate and loved the boring, and that's the mindset I think you're you're talking about there. So now, how do you? You talked about loving the boring and mm-hmm. kind of continuing to move forward. How do you put that into action? How do you make sure that you resist the urge to chase shiny objects? That you take advice from some people, but you don't take advice from everybody. How do you do that? How do you keep it all squared away? Great question. I feel like you're asking me like my daily challenges every day. Like that inner war that I go with, that I go through myself, like in consistency. It's more about like giving my, and, and, and I can say that what's been working for me lately is having smaller goals every day and completely smaller tasks every day consistently. Instead of going to to-do sheet and have like 10, 15 items to go go through, like go do every day. And by the end of the week, I've only completed, let's say, 30% of that, 40% of that. And I'm feeling like I'm beating myself down, self-destructive mode. And now I'm more like, you know what? Start taking smaller chunks, but keep progressing. And I can say the first, when COVID hit, the when we went to start working, um, everyone remote, I felt lost in some days, like things were like blurry. Mondays and Saturdays and Tuesday and Saturday and Fridays were the same to me. And I really believe it's creating smaller goals and also goals outside of your business, but also go for your personal. Because some stuff in business are out of your control. And I'm dealing that primarily with, with for me, such as where I'm from Haiti, where Haiti's going through a lot of like difficulties right now. And sometimes a lot of doubts creep up because I'm like, should I keep doing this? The country's unstable. Like things are like very challenged right now. And I had to take my mind off of that type of mindset and focus on me, if it's health, if it's working out, to stay, to have positive reinforcement on a regular basis so I can keep moving forward. All right, Rudy, there's so much to unpack there. Let's first talk about the goals. You talked about kind of these setting these goals, these micro goals that you can focus on. What's your goal setting process? Is it weekly, monthly? Like, do you look at it on a daily basis? Like, how do you set goals? And then I want to come back to the comment you made about doubt and navigating that. Right, right. So how do I set my goals? I usually have three big goals for the year. No more than three big goals that I want to do. If it's in one, one in personal, family, business, 
and in health. That's how I start my three goals for the year. And then I break it down into like um, monthly goals on in my work, am I tracking my long-term goals? If I'm doing something forward to move forward with one of these goals. And on a weekly basis, that's the harder one. Like coming up with like, like either like, you know, you read these great books. Like are you, I, some people set up their goals on Friday afternoon. Some people set up their goals on Sunday morning. And I'm still wrestling with that. I'll be consistent for a few weeks doing it on like on a Friday. Then I fall off the wagon. But it's keep pushing forward, keep pushing forward. And that's how I set up my goals from yearly to weekly goals and daily tasks. So, Rudy, you talked also about some of the doubt creeping in and that there's things happening around you that you can't control, right? Like you can't control the stability. Yeah the stability or instability in Haiti, yeah. but you have to keep moving forward. So what do you do when that doubt creeps in? And how do you, how do you keep moving? You go back to your mission. How strong is your mission? I really believe it's all about your mission and how, if your mission is strong enough, it will leverage you back to the center. And that is one thing that I can say, like with all the crazy stuff happening right now with the instability, but seeing customers are calling me, customers are asking for a service, customers are saying, oh my God, you guys are a savior, you guys are helping us. That reinforces the mission and allows me to like keep pushing forward. And also mindset, uh, I really believe in exercising. I really believe taking a pause, exercising is also has been my, my savior as well. How do you find that balance or integration of that, you know, the, the personal and the professional? Andrew... If I know that answer, I will be further ahead, if I have to say. And I really believe that's the journey. That's part of the journey. You're not supposed to know that every day. You're not, I don't think it's something like that comes out like, all right, bet. I take that pill. I can get that um, process, everything like that magic pill. No, I really believe it's through that journey you build that process. And that's how I really believe um, you can get it. So, Rudy, I want to like take a, a little bit of a step back. Before you started Jet Lead Transfer, you spent over a decade working in international finance right. and finance technology for yeah. some of the world's largest financial institutions. And, I, and that's a very different world than running a startup, right? a growth-oriented business. So I'm curious, let's start with what would you say has been the biggest difference for you professionally between that environment and this environment? Okay, for me... I'm still struggling with it. It's to get out the nine to five mindset. And what I mean by that is that right out of college, it was all about working from nine to five, nine to nine to six, nine to seven for long days. Boom, you shut it off by the weekend and you start again. It became like a wheel. It became, I got so accustomed to that, that when you are an entrepreneur, you have to forget that schedule and you have to be on mostly 24-7 or mostly like sporadically where girls like you there are busy time, there are slow time, busy time, slow time throughout the week. And that's the challenge. I'm also when you come going back to your previous question about balancing, is like I could have easy Friday, but Saturday something comes up. The, the site is down. Some or customers saying I can't reset my password. Orders not being delivered. And before you know it, we have family, families living at home working remotely, working at home, and you mingling, you're interchanging your personal life and your private life together. And that's where that blur comes in. It creates, a, and that's 
challenging to find that balance. And going back to your question, it's really important to find that balance. And that's the challenge that I'm that I'm facing right now, that I, I think every entrepreneur faces right now. Not a nine to five anymore. It's not like, oh, I can just send an email. It's really about solving the problems right at any moment. And that's in your mind doesn't turn off. That's another thing. Like I'm on my bed. I'm thinking about work. I'm driving. I'm thinking, I'm in the shower. Like it's, yeah, that's the challenge that I'm facing with that. And I think for the better, the good. Rudy, is it, do you find it taxing on you from a standpoint of like your ability to make decisions or your ability to be creative? How does it affect that? It affects my creativity in a way that you are so in your head every day sometime that when you just start your head, you, you have a white canvas and you can start your creativity flows. But when you are dealing with repeated stuff, repeated challenges, you start forming conclusions ahead of time and that affects your creativity. And that's the challenge that I'm dealing with. And I'm learning to do other stuff that allows me to be more creative organically. That doesn't have to do with the work. But just so that I really believe through creativity, I can innovate. And I really believe it's your creativity that allows you to innovate more. I sure agree, Rudy. I, and I, I think it's so important to, to find that space, right? Sometimes you right. got you to gotta slow down and move fast, right? And, yeah. and that's incredibly important. One of the big decisions and things that you did when you were working in one of the large financial institutions is after the 2010 earthquake in Haiti, you went back to work in Haiti. I'm curious. What led you to that decision, which obviously ended up having such a profound impact in getting you where we are today because you had this kind of watershed moment where you saw a problem that you could solve. What led you back to Haiti? It was after the earthquake and seeing the devastating news like every day on CNN, seeing everything. I just felt I had to go down there. I had to go down there. I, and I just didn't want to go down there just... Oh, I'm young. I think I have, I'm trying to build my career. So I wanted to go out there and still leverage my career in the fine sector. And that's how I started working at like, um, then I found this opportunity at Citibank and I'm like, and because Citibank is their treasurer at that time passed away through the earthquake and they were looking for someone to uh, replace him. And that's that when that opportunity came along and I packed my bags and I went to Haiti and I felt First time I felt home again, first time I felt like empowered, not just to work and just like doing finance and daily finance stuff. Yes, it's gratifying, but it's more gratifying when you're trying to like solve real world problem to help improve the economy or to find solutions with all the problems that Haiti was facing at that time. What was that like? I mean, how did you reacclimate yourself and then get your arms around a big job during a really transitional time for you yeah. and for the local economy and the country. Yeah. And again, it was the transition was challenging. I must say <laughs> living in New York city, having access to everything. Like I was in that bubble and then I jumped to another bubble where like, you know, it, it was a um, different lifestyle, lack of services, lack of resources made it very difficult while living in Haiti. But also that was the opportunity that, again, through these challenges, my creativity started to spread. Like, oh, and that's when like fintech starts popping up. That's when like e-commerce, marketplaces, everything like were starting to popping up. And I'm like, 
oh, those are like, and I feel like that's where the future was going. And it gave me an opportunity to start looking into that, understanding the industries better at a micro level. And that's where today I'm here with you today is because my journey back to Haiti and the rise of um, technology to find a way to democratize finance with financial inclusion to everyone in need. Did you have a vision earlier in your career about being an entrepreneur and going out on your own and building something? Honestly, no. Coming from a Haitian immigrant, it was more like go to school, get a job, rise up to the ranks and make your family proud. So they all know about their son doing well at the bank. When actually, when I decided to like change my career trajectory, I got a lot of of resentments from my family. They're like, oh my God, what would you be doing that? Like, you have a nice, you know, comfortable lifestyle. Why would you want to risk that and start something from new? And you didn't understand the concept of like, you know, e-commerce, financial technology and all that stuff. So did I see that with me? No, but the itch started happening when... You know, we I, around the 06, the 07, new technology, new waves of, of startups were popping. And then the creativity started flowing and the itch started down. I'm like, I need to get my hand on something. Either work for a startup or go find. And that's one thing I can say, like, it's such a global market. But right now, everything is going niche. Also, it's finding your leverage as an entrepreneur. It's like... Not just trying to see if you can solve global problem at a large scale, but solving a niche problem that can be replicated at a global scale. And that's where like being home, Haiti has given me that competitive to do what I'm doing today. Rudy, there's so much that you gave me to unpack there. The first thing that was really interesting about what you said, you said so much there that was so interesting. The first thing... Am, am was, I saying too much? <laughs> no, no, this is... Rudy, this is great. The first All thing right. that you mentioned... 2006, 2007, the itch starts to form. Your mind starts to, it's kind of brewing with ideas and this potential new direction. And then in, you know, you go back in 2010 to Haiti after the earthquake, and now it starts to accelerate and it comes together. I'm wondering during that period of time between 2006, you know, and kind of 2010, when you started to really crystallize some of these thoughts, were you doing anything to kind of capture ideas? Or were you just you were just kind of thinking about it while you were driving, thinking about it while you were on walks? What was that like? Well, the first one I'll credit is The Economist. The Economist was my favorite. It's still one of my favorite, but I don't have as much time to read it. But they, the Economist had this section. It was, um, you know, they have um, what's happening in the U.S. and it goes by region. And I was so gravitated towards the Africa part and Asia part, seeing these new age technologies that were popping up in these countries, India. In like Nigeria, Ghana, and I was like, oh my God, like, because I'm from Haiti and I understand the business of the bottom of the pyramid and I couldn't compare it to like Uber at that time. Why couldn't compare it to these big scale startups who are more catering to like, you know, first world economies and economics was giving me like what was going on, showing um, all these startups that were popping up. And then at the, while I was at the Bank of New York Mellon, I remember um, I went to India. I spent some time in India. And while, again, at India, I was always curious after work, after leaving the corporate office, it's like, let me see what's going on in the local economy and seeing what type of new age business models were being created. And that's where ideas keep flowing. I looked into different business models. And again, those were all little 
I was taking steps without even realizing it going in and that pushed me to go to Haiti because I'm like, oh my God, I, this, is a, this is a time I have to go out there and go back home and really see it's through problem you find solution. And that's what real entrepreneurship is. What problem are you solving and what type of value you're trying to add to the to the customer? And that's where that my journey has been going and continue to grow. All right, Rudy, let's move now to, you said something else about the some resentment and doubt yeah from your family, your relatives, because in their eyes, you, you had this great thing going and now they can't even comprehend that you would turn that aside and jump out into something that's, you know, a lot more maybe, you know, unknown or unique. So how did you process that? That has to be challenging. Yes, that had to be challenging. And, and that's when I started discovering myself, starting to decide to make decision, not, to please other folks, not to follow other people's footsteps and honestly taking charge of my life in a way that what is it that I want? What is it that I want to be remembered for? Or what is it that, you know, and I, and I and listen to like, I saw this in movies of sneakers, Tony Robbins and all these guys. And, and they had that simple message, you know, staying true to yourself and following your heart, your mission and not the money, not the not the nicer things in life, but following something that keeps you alive and staying alive and not being dormant that, you know, I don't want to wake up on a Monday morning or I look forward to my Fridays, you know, I want to be living. And that's where I can say I found that to, to allow me to discover myself and, and jump in the world of entrepreneurship, you know, which is scary, which is uh, cold, which is lonely, you know, and, that's the, and those are the challenges that we face every day. Rudy, that is just so cool. And I can't wait to see where you take this this business next. And you got to promise me that you're going to keep in touch and we're going to sit down yes. and do an update on, on how things are going in the not too distant future. But there is no question in my mind, Rudy Rocourt, that you are pulling the tarp. You are in the tarp <laughs> polar club. And it's been so much fun unpacking your story a little bit, getting a behind the scenes look at your career and some of your success secrets. And a story that you're still writing. And, yes. and I can't wait to see where it where it goes. Rudy, thank you so much for spending some time with me this week. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that, Andrew. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining me this week. Be sure to subscribe in your favorite podcast app so you can catch all of our upcoming episodes. And if you are like me and want a world full of tart pullers, then leave a review to help others find us. You can also follow me on Twitter at Andrew H. Moses. That's Andrew H. Moses. And be sure to sign up for my email newsletter at everybodypullsthetarp.com slash newsletter. I'll share tips and insights to help you achieve maximum success and happiness. Today's a great day to pull the tarp. I am rooting for you. See you next time.